if you've been delivered, get up on your feet and praise the Lord. Well, 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 well. Let me tell you now. And we've been delivered. Uh, we all have come out of Egypt. Everyone that accepted Yeshua, everyone has been delivered, has come out of Egypt. And Egypt really represents like hell on earth. Just hell. And the Lord has heard our cries and has come down with his arm and pulled us out of Egypt and saved us. Even though the angel of death was coming at us, the Passover lamb of God stood in our place and took the angel of death, took that punishment upon himself. And it's by that blood of the lamb on our doorpost that we're set free. So that hell on earth, that Egypt hell on earth, we're set free from in Yeshua. We are delivered. If you've been delivered, get up on your feet and break the <laughs> You don't do it now. Just do it later on or something. Maybe we should do that when we go visit people with the Purim baskets of food. Knock, knock, knock. Hello? If you've been delivered, get up on your feet and praise the Lord. With our Purim costumes on, that's the way to do it. <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it. We've, we've, God has revealed himself to us. This is part of the, the, the salvation experience, the salvation of coming out of that hell of Egypt. He reveals himself to us. And we just, we went through that in the Torah where the people experienced God and they experienced him, his, his fullness and his reality and learned about him. So we have the deliverance, the salvation experience. We have the, the, the revelation. We have the salvation. We have the revelation. Where we learn about God and who he is. And what he's expecting us to do. And then comes the construction. I guess it's got to rhyme. We have the salvation and the revelation. Then comes, construction's a lame word. The renovation. There's the songwriter. Then comes the renovation. And it's I, I, this one of the things I just I love about the Torah when we look at the sequence of things that are in the Torah and we see just our lives in Messiah. We see these equations, you know. We see the the sequence. We see the salvation. We see how God has in power revealed Himself to us. I mean, does, does anybody relate to like having a power experience with God when they first came into relationship with God? Like He reveals Himself in power. So okay. We're saved. Okay, we know now who he is. Now comes the renovation. The renovation. The renovation. So now we in the, in the Torah, we are learning about the Mishkan. The Mishkan. The tabernacle in the wilderness. This, this structure that contained the presence of God. It was God's presence in the wilderness. Because it's not just enough for God. He doesn't want to just leave us in the wilderness. He, we're in the wilderness. And you know what? Sometimes we were redeemed from hell and we're put into the wilderness. You know, so some people are like, well, you know, I was in hell back then, but now I accepted the Lord and I feel like I'm still in hell. No, you were redeemed from hell, but now you're in the wilderness. 
You're like, well, thanks. Okay, that, thanks for explaining it to me. Now I feel much better. But the Lord is in the wilderness. His presence is in the wilderness. And this is what the revelation of the tabernacle, the Mishkan, is. Is that in the wilderness, with all the things that happen with life, and the ups and the downs, and the fights, and the depression, and the anxiety, and the hunger, and the thirst, there's this smoke in the distance for everyone to see. And it's an amazing thing that the smoke from the sacrifice just went up and up and up. Because wherever you are in the wilderness, you can just go look in that direction and you'll see that smoke rising. And you are drawn to the presence of the Lord. When you're in the wilderness, the Lord is there with you. That's the reality. That's the revelation of, of the tabernacle. That the Lord is in the wilderness with you. But there's an amazing revelation. Another thing to learn about the tabernacle, this thing was a temporary thing. This, this tabernacle itself, this Mishkan, was temporary. Even if you go into the, the, the books, the prophetic books, like Revelation, the book of Revelation. Everybody's ears perk up. Oh, Revelation. He's going to talk end times. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe he'll teach me once and for all what the mark of the beast is. And isn't. No, that's not for today. But what we see in the in Revelation is that when the New Jerusalem came down, there was no temple. The tabernacle was the foreshadow of the temple. That was the precursor of the of the temple. And we see in the Revel, in Revelation when the New Jerusalem came down, there was no temple. So this structure thing, it's, it wasn't there. But Yeshua said, "In my house there are many yeah. dwelling places." Yeah. So we don't have a temple, we don't have a singular structure, but we have many dwelling places. Many dwelling places. So I gotta tell you something. This is what this is, I'm gonna give the props to Rabbi Peter with this quote. You don't get the mansion. You are the mansion. You are the many dwelling places. You know, when you think of in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. That to me has to be a reference to Sukkot. Because when you look at Jerusalem, there's only one time in, in God's house, in his place, in his city, where there's many dwelling places around. And that's Sukkot, when you have these tabernacles all over the place. So it has to be a reference to that. But you are, you are the Mishkan of God. You are. This was a temporary thing. But just like we were talking about with the government, God's not going to redeem a, a building. He's not going to redeem a building. Just like he's not going to redeem a, 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 a system or a party or something like that. These things will crumble. They will crumble. No matter who's you like or dislike or who's in office or what the laws are today or what they will be tomorrow. All those things are temporal. Mm -hmm. Temporal. But what God puts in you is eternal. The word of God will never pass away. Ever. Ever. I make Wendy laugh, I know I'm good. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. And you know, if you look, you, go read the, about the tabernacle and go read about how it's built and ask Adonai how you are that. You'll find that like, oh, I've, I've said this one before, like it's made of wood, which is a, which is a earthly, earthly thing. It's a decaying thing, but it's overlaid with gold. Come on, somebody. Come on, do you know? Oh, yeah that you're overlaid with gold. Right. 
do you know that you may be decaying, that this, this skin and flesh is, is temporal, but you're overlaid with gold, and that's, that's heaven. Do you know that? Do you know that? No, I don't know. Maybe I know it. <laughs> you may not realize it, but it doesn't take away from the reality of it. Do you know that the tabernacle is made after the pattern in heaven? In heaven. It actually says that. Like, this is something like, it can go most, be careful to build this thing according to the pattern I showed you on the mountain. Do you understand that? There's a pattern that's shown from the mountain. This is God's, I'm spitting. <laughs> There's a pattern on the mountain shown by God. When it's on the mountain, pattern on the mountain, shown to you on the mountain, that means it's, this is a heavenly pattern. Which means that we can like hate ourselves, or we can think that we're ugly, or we can think that we're unworthy, or we can think that we're so much less than. But that doesn't change the reality that there's a pattern. A heavenly pattern of how you were designed. If the Mishkan represents you, and it's, it says that there was a pattern, make sure it's built based on the pattern. If you could just hear those words, spoken when you were being for here it's all coming together with the the, the the babies in our in the wombs you can hear like the, the words from heaven make sure it's make sure he's he or she is crafted according to the pattern according to the pattern from heaven see then like how can you how can you eliminate what god has created and you recognize that it's it's formed but not just formed, formed on a pattern. Like God saw, like every intricate, like the eye color, you know, or his skin color, or the shades of this, or, you know, or your hair, or, or lack thereof. <laughs> he saw it all. But it's more than that. It's more than just your physicality, the pattern. It's more than that. That God sees something heavenly in you. See, the tabernacle represented heaven. It represented heaven. There's a reason that the, the curtains are purple and purple's a royalty. And there's a reason that it has all these different colors. It represented heaven. It was, it, was, it was a heavenly presence in the wilderness. It represented heaven. It, 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 it was supposed people to look at it and see things and associate with heaven. You, beloveds, are heavenly. You are heavenly. We're just like, oh no, don't pick on me. <laughs> you are heavenly. You are heavenly. So you may like deal with self-hatred or self-abasement. Is that the right word? No? You know, but none of that, that does not match the reality that you are model of heaven here on earth. And that doesn't change based on how you feel about yourself. And it doesn't. You know, there's so many distractions we have in our head. You know, and we think that like because of our thought process and how we spin and spin and spin and woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Like God can't use me. And then all of a sudden like you're in some place and you know, God can use you because you are a heavenly presence in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. 
And then you go back to the woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. But you are a heavenly presence in the wilderness. You look like heaven. You look like heaven. You smell like heaven. You smell like heaven. Donna Ortiz, you smell like heaven. <laughs> you smell like heaven. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Because there's a sacrifice that happened within you that's pleasing aroma to God. You look like heaven. You smell like heaven. You are a heavenly presence. And that tabernacle doesn't need to go and hand out tracts to people. That tabernacle doesn't need to go and stand on a street corner and then say, do you want to accept the Lord? Do you want to accept the Lord? The tabernacle was just present. It was just there. There, there, there. That's all. There, 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 there. Wasn't there a dance? There, there, there. Was there like a really oh, cool? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Find that on the iPod. It's called there. 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 <laughs> the tabernacle was just there. There. It was just there. It was just And sometimes we lose the blessing of the ministry of just being there. there. Being just a presence of heaven in the wilderness. Being there. In, in the end of Ezekiel, Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, at the end of the last like 10 chapters or something like that, Ezekiel, he goes through extreme detail in a future temple. Extreme detail. And we, thousands of years later, can look at that and say, look, this is boring, 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 boring. But it was a blessing to the people that were in captivity in Babylon to know that not only were they coming back, not only were they gonna, was God going to create a temple again, but here's all the details about it. But it is an end times prophecy. Ezekiel saw an end times temple. He was, he, was, he was describing it in the way that he understood. But it was an end times temple. We know this because how he described it never was built. Never. So it was an end times prophecy. An end times prophecy. And then you know what it says at the end of this whole thing? It says the Lord is named. The Lord will come and his name will be at that time. Adonai Shammah. Christianized Jehovah Shammah. Love those Christianized Jehovah Rapha, you know, Jehovah Jireh. That's the God who eats Greek food. Jehovah Jireh. But Jehovah Shammah. Adonai Shammah. God who is there. Don't neglect 
the ministry, the tabernacle ministry of just being there, of being there. I was at uh, a doctor's appointment, my first doctor appointment living in this area, you know, and uh, I went through my little, my normal little thing, you know, ah, I'm new to Barrowville, you know, it's always a good uh, segue because they, most people will ask and I wait for it. You know, what brings you to Barrowville? <laughs> well, I run a congregation, lead a congregation. Much to the dismay of all the other patients that were waiting, I went out <laughs> talking to him in the doctor's office for like a half hour. <laughs> because he's searching. And he's attending, he just started attending a church in Providence. No, I didn't hand him any business card. But he's attending a church in Providence and he's seeking and he's just, he went and he was really into new agey type of stuff and, um, you know, I'm, I don't even want to go into all the details because of HIPAA, yeah. <laughs> spiritual HIPAA. <laughs> it's true, you know, because like Elaine knows everybody in town. So, oh, I know that guy. So, you know, I don't want to talk. You know. Michelle's already saying she knows him. She knows him. All right, there, there you go. <laughs> I wound up talking to him for like a half hour. I wound up praying for them in the doctor's office. People are waiting for him. Wow. Wow. Don't yeah. neglect. Yeah. That's right. It has nothing to do with how I think about myself. Yeah. Just be there. Mm -hmm. we, we tend to like think like we have nothing to give, especially when people are suffering. You know, I got nothing to give. What do I say? Like we had maybe as Americans, we're like doers. How can I help the situation? How can I change a situation? My beloved friend or family member is just struggling with an illness or, or a sadness or a depression or, um, or, or, or a financial situation. Like, how do I help? How do I help? What can I do? You know, we normally ask people, you know, what can I do? You know, and what you know what the normal answer is? Nothing. Okay. Now, that's why, like, you know, I, since I've been moving here, that, that whole thing about the question about, like, what, what do you get from the supermarket that we put in the little directory? That was my idea. You know why? Because when I came here, I'm like, you know what? I want to like, if I'm going to stop and shop, I want to be able to get something for somebody. So I would text, you know, you know, Val or Steffi or Dawn or somebody that's kind of in proximity to the stop and shop I went to. And I was like, I'm here. What can I get you? And every time their answer was the same. <laughs> Nothing. I'm all set. You know, somebody's struggling. So just the other day, oh, we can't make it to service. We're not, not feeling well. Are you okay? Can I get you something? No. <laughs> that's just, so just, that's why we're just going to go. You know what? So I just want to know what you, what you normally get. So like, I, I'm just going to go and stop at your door. So if you want to get like free eggs and milk and bread, fill out the survey, please. Because that's all everybody's responding. I thought people were going to give some creative things that they get. Eggs, milk, bread. I said chicken. Chicken, that's good. I don't think anybody said coffee. I would have said coffee, said coffee, coffee. Cafe. Cafe. Or a cup of joe. Being there. Being there. We want to fix. We want to fix. But we miss the value of just... Just being there. We don't, it's so valuable to just sit with the broken. You don't need to fix the problem. There's not even expectation that you're going to fix the problem if somebody's sick or they're hurting or wounded. But just be there. I think one of the tragedies of COVID 
And I sure hope that after it's all done, because Peter Wiggins said we're almost done, <laughs> I believe it, that when it's all done and society looks at how we responded to COVID in retrospect, I hope that society realizes that forbidding people from visiting their sick relatives or their old relatives or the relatives that are in a, a hospital, a nursing home, a, a, a psychiatric unit, forbidding the visitation, forbidding you from just being there for those who are, are dying, who maybe got the disease and have it, got it real bad and are dying, which is still happening too much. But to forbid people from even being there, I hope in retrospect that society realizes that that's not a good solution. There's gotta be a middle ground here. It has to be, but that's just me. But I think through this, don't we realize the value of just being there when it's taken away from us? I mean, Yeshua, when he was in the garden and his friends were sleeping, I mean, what did he say? What did he say? He couldn't just stay awake with me. I'm not asking you to take this cup from me, people, Peter, friends. I asked God to do that, my father, and he's not doing it. I just wanted some company. Yeshua said that. Couldn't you stay awake with me? Just being there. You know, it's like uh, you can be there, your physical presence. And then you could be, you could evolve, enhance your being there. You could become a better listener, you know? Because um, you could be there and be on your cell phone. <laughs> or you could be there and be attentive, you know? and empathize. My gosh, we've lost empathy. This is why people fight so much. We, we've lost empathy, right? Like we just, we, do, we don't want we can't empathize with the, the, the black experience. So we just kind of judge it from afar, you know, instead of just sitting with like a black brother and saying, tell me, tell me your experience, you know? Doesn't mean you have to have the same experience, but empathize, you know? So, yeah. So the ministry of being there, power, You're a tabernacle. You're the tabernacle. All these things. The tabernacle has light. There's light coming off of you. When I'm with you, it's like the future's so bright, I gotta wear shades. <laughs> you have bread. There's a to show the table with bread on it. Isn't that amazing? That this tabernacle just has bread on it. Just bread. You know? It symbolizes the food that the tabernacle that the presence of God offers these are simple things there's light emanating there's food symbolizing the food that God if not man shall not live by bread but every word out of his mouth and the ark is like the heart the ark is like that. And what's in the ark? What are the things that are in the ark? The manna, Yeshua. It's all Yeshua because he's in our hearts. Yeshua is the manna. The Torah, the, 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 the tablets. It says the law will be put on your hearts. It says in Jeremiah. The, the, the budding um, almond blossom, which signifies the priesthood. Yeshua is the high priest. It's all in the ark. 
So that's the heart. That's who's in you. Oh my gosh, there's so much inside of you. There's so much inside of you. So much greater than doing some religious obligation or something like that. Just be there, 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 there. I gotta play it. I'll find it. I'll play it. Go ahead.